Is my microphone? There we go. Had to switch it on. All right. Hey, I know so many of us already uh, know each other so well this morning, but uh, hey, if you're new and this is your first time at church this morning, I just want to extend a special uh, welcome to you. I am so excited this morning about a, a message that I feel like God has put on my heart, and I think it's going to be a game changer in someone's life today. I, yeah, so let's, uh, I can't wait. Let's, uh, let's get started. Will y'all pray with me? All right. God, thank you uh, for the amazing opportunity to be here to worship at College Acres. God, I pray that you would help me preach clearly and boldly this morning, and that you would open our hearts to what you have to say to us. God, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so hey, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 today, the book of Daniel. So if you'll turn with me there, uh, if you have a Bible, uh, or if there's, there's some pew Bibles in the seat back in front of you, and it's going to be kind of in the middle. So if you're looking for it, it's going to be kind of in the middle. Uh, you have an app on your phone that works too. You can open up the Bible app. And while you're turning there, I'll give you just a few minutes. I'm going to explain uh, some background of what's going on in this passage. Some things that we need to know coming into this passage. So as we're looking at this today, we see that Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were facing a very tough point in life. The Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, he had defeated the Israelites and the city of Jerusalem. So Daniel and his friends were brought into Babylon as captives. So here's the setting that we're looking at as we look at this passage. Here's what we know right from the very beginning, right from the start, that Daniel and his friends were only young men when they were taken captive. They had lost their homes, their families, and they were a completely unfamiliar and strange place They'd even been stripped of their names. Did you know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not their real names? They were the names that were given to them in Babylon. So needless to say, these guys found themselves in a very difficult situation. And also, all this is very important as we jump into chapter 3 because we are going to see the boldness and determination of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego this morning. And we see God use them in an amazing way. And we're just going to see one of those ways uh, this morning. So chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet high and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province, province of Babylon. When he, then he sent messages to the high officials, governors, uh, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the providential officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, they said to the king, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews... So they're really 
telling on these guys. Uh, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the providence of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. And so the first thing that I want us to see this morning, if you're taking notes, you, you may want to write this down, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew where they stood, they were determined, and they had made up their minds. I mean, think about how important this is in life in general, right? If you go to, if Lauren and I go into the grocery store, and we're just kind of cruising through the aisles, just not really sure what we want to buy, man, if I've got milk in the buggy, I'm going to go past the Oreos, I'm going to say, well, I've got to get those, because that's the, that's the dream. Anybody say amen to that? Amen, yeah. Especially if you're, I mean, especially if you're hungry, I would, you, everybody knows don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry because you're going to take all kinds of stuff and put it in that buggy or cart. How many people call it a buggy? How many people call it a cart? Okay, we got about a 50s. I've always called it a buggy. Uh, but, uh, they, you know, if, if you decide ahead of time, if, if we decided ahead of time, we've made a list, we know what we need to get, we know how much money we're going to spend, and I know Oreos are not on that list, then I might just keep on walking past the Oreos. Or think about uh, some of you like to work out or go to the gym. If you can find a gym, if you find one that's, that's open these days, uh, you, you have a plan before you show up. You have a, uh, a game plan. Uh, some people are a little different. Some people just show up and, you know, make it up as they go along. But if you're like me, I need to have it written down. I have a whiteboard in my garage. If I write it on my whiteboard, it's happening. But if I just kind of, well, I'll just figure it out. As soon as things get hard, I'm probably going to say, all right, I, I think this workout's over. You know, or, or some of you guys especially, you walk in and you're, just, you're not sure what you're going to work out that day. And uh, you're probably not going to do the squats if that's the case. You're going to skip the You're going to say, I don't want to do the squats. I'm going to go do the bicep curls. So it's important to, that we make up our minds, that we predetermine things before we get into the situation where we might say, this is, this is tough. There's a lot of pressure here. And what we need to see in this passage is that these guys made up their minds way before the moment ever arrived that they were going to worship God and they were going to worship God alone. I mean, they knew the Ten Commandments. These were Hebrew boys. They knew that God had commanded them, you must not have any other God but me. They knew that God had commanded them, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. These guys knew where they stood before they even ended up in, in Babylon in this tough situation. They knew that when it, they were all in when it came to following God, they would not compromise in the face of adversity. So in our lives, do we stand or do we bow to what everyone else around us is bowing to? I need, I need somebody to help me preach this this morning. Uh, let's see. Kendon, Cody, come up here real quick. Come on. You don't have to do anything but, uh, but stand here. So Cody, uh, well, Kendon, you stand right here on this side, right here. And then Cody, you come around. I want you to stand over here. And the camera guys are going to hate me for this. I'm throwing off their, their frame. But let's just say, all right, um, Kendon, I, I know you've been working out, so just get in this, like, 
this athletic stance here for me, okay? You, you're just ready for anything. And then Cody, man, just stay on, stand on one foot. You know, you're kind of unstable, all right? That's the nice Chick-fil-A mask you got on. I like that. All right, so you've got, you've got Cody over here who's not really sure what he believes or, or why he believes it. He, and it may not be his fault. He may not know God's word because how are we going to live God's word if we don't know God's word? Because when, when we get into the Word, it gets into us, and it starts to shape our lives. But, so maybe he doesn't know, or maybe he does, and he's just, he's just blazing his own path. But then Kenan over here, man, he knows, he knows God's Word. He knows what it says. He knows the way that he wants to live his life to honor God. And so he's ready. He's grounded. His feet are firmly planted. And then when you have situations that, that come about, maybe it's pressure to be popular. Maybe he showed up. You're at, uh, you're at a new school, or you're on a sports team, and you're in the locker room, and everybody is just making fun of this kid in your school, or maybe they're making crude jokes about a girl in your class, and you feel like, hey, maybe if I join in, then these guys will accept me because I'm new after all. And so maybe if you join in, you're, you're not so stable, and a little pressure comes, and you can't take it. But if you are grounded, it's not going to happen. Or it might be that you're a college student and, and you walk into uh, science class first semester and you believe that the Bible teaches that, hey, God created me, you, everything that we see, but you see a class of, around you and a professor who's telling you, no, it's just a big cosmic accident. And when it comes time to write your paper, are you going to stand on what you believe or are you going to say, well, everybody else in my class might give me a hard time, so... I'll just write the paper. Or it might be work. And most of us adults have, have to work every day. Or if, you, if you're retired, you've worked for a very long time. And so imagine everybody at your work is being a little dishonest, just fudging the numbers a little bit to get ahead. And you feel like, hey, man, if i got to keep up, if I'm going to keep up with the Joneses, I need to just jump in line with that. You might, you might cave a little bit. You might not be able to handle the pressure, but if you have made up your mind, I'm going to be a man or a woman of integrity, you're solid, just like Kendon. Thank you, guys. Hey, y'all can sit down. Thank you. Um, but Matthew 7, 24 through 27, is Jesus talking about building your house on the rock. I mean, it's cool that these guys were up here because that's a great picture of youth ministry. And we're about to have Youth Sunday next, next week. I'm, I'm really excited about that. We're going to have the youth up here leading us in worship. Um, it's going to be awesome. But that's a great picture of youth ministries. We could, you know, why is that important? Or why is it important that we gather, that we study God's word together? Because we want to build our house on the rock. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. So church, when we are faced with these pressure 
situations where it seems like everyone around you is, is going this way, but you feel God's word saying, no, stand firm. Let's be, let's be all in when it comes to standing on God's word. So let's go back to Daniel 3. Let's continue reading. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. You know, let me remind you because we took a little bit of a break. Uh, the, the guys came and they told him, hey, the Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not worshiping your statue. So King Nebuchadnezzar is pretty mad. He said, it says that he flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? And he thinks he's hot stuff, doesn't he? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Man, this is really good right here. If you're dozing off, you got to work. Do you know today what the God we serve is capable of? Maybe we need to be reminded that, that when the Israelites came to uh, the sea, God parted the water so that they could pass through. When Jesus came to the uh, paralyzed man, he told him to get up and walk, he did. And then when Jesus, when they put him on a cross and they killed him on a cross and they put him in a tomb and rolled a stone over it, Three days later, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus walked out. He has no limits. God is able. He's able to provide for your needs, to rescue you from that addiction that you just feel like you can't shake, to protect you, to bring healing in your life. Because, you see, we serve the same God that, that did all of those things, and he's still just as powerful today. But I want you to look at the faith that these guys have. I'm going to stand with God no matter what, even if he doesn't. I want this faith. Anybody else? Even if he doesn't. These guys were under pressure, but they just said, I want you to know, Nebuchadnezzar, that even if he doesn't, I still won't compromise, and I still won't lose heart. Their worship was not dependent on their situation. Because if that was the case, they were in a pretty bad situation. Now, a lot of us like to strike deals, right? So, unfortunately, some, some of us think about God like the genie on Aladdin, like the big blue Will Smith who's there to, to uh, on the new Aladdin, you know, there to make your life comfortable, to grant your wishes. And so we say things like, well, God, if you'll do this for me, then, then I promise you I'll go to church all year long. We like to try to make deals with God, but what if we worship God based on who he is rather than what he can do for us? That would be a game changer. So what happens to these three guys? 
I know, hit the mic there, uh, I know you're on the edge of your seat, like, man, what, what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The king's pretty mad. They just stood up and, and said, no way. And let's see what happens. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Anybody ever seen that look on your parents' face when you were a kid? Maybe. I think it looks like some of you have. Uh, my parents are watching. Maybe I've seen that look. So his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. He's pretty mad. So they tied, tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire, In the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Thank you all for coming today. Oh, that's not where it ends. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the roaring, uh, flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Kind of an awkward moment for a king, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Remember what he said? What God can save you from me? And then he sees this, and and he calls out to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, one true God. And I want us to see this morning that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived like they actually believed what they said they believed. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 1 Peter chapter 2, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from your sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, they, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. You see, when we live... As a Christ follower, when you live as a Christ follower, you're going to look different from the people around you. At work, at school, on the field, on the court, wherever, you're going to look different. And this is why we look so different as Christ followers. is because if you have a relationship with Christ, the gospel has transformed your life. Pastor J.D. Greer says the gospel is the power of God 
and the only true source of joy, freedom, radical generosity, and audacious faith. The gospel produces in us what religion never could, a heart that desires God. And the more we dwell on what Christ has done for us, the more that we dwell on how much he loves us, that the more our lives will change. The more we want to serve him and follow him, and we will look different. So I want you to say this. I want you to say, I have power under pressure. The power of the gospel will give you strength in these times of pressure because we all face them. We're in a world that is quickly changing. And we find ourselves in these situations quite often. And so just let this, this uh, phrase, this passage uh, come back to mind when you, when you find yourself in those situations. That you might have the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when you're faced with tough decisions. When I'm faced with tough decisions. So I want to ask the band if they'll come on back up. And, and can I tell you today that I believe God brought each and every one of you here for a reason. I know that some of you have been coming to College Acres for a long time. And others of you, maybe this is the first time you've ever been in a church. And we, you know, we know that the Bible teaches us that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Though he, he created us and, and made us sin, messed that up. And because of that, we're separated from him. But God loved you and I so much, is what the Bible tells us. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to pay the penalty, to pay the debt for our sin. So when we talk about, when I talk about Jesus dying on the cross, I need you to know that he went to the cross for you and for me, that there was no other way. There was no way for us to be made right with God. We could have never done enough good deeds. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been enough. So Jesus had to come. He conquered our sins. He defeated them on the cross. It looked like he had lost. It looked like he died on the cross and it was over. But three days later, he walked out of the tomb, proving that he is the Son of God. Proving that our sins are forgiven. Man, this is good news. And if, you, if you're here today and you're trying to earn your forgiveness, you're trying to make up for lost time and say, well, God, maybe if I go to church enough times or maybe if I read my Bible every day or if I do enough good things, then that'll make it right. No, it won't. The only thing that will make it right is what Jesus did. And so it's not that you earn it, it's that you receive that free gift of salvation. And if so if that's you today, I just want to take a moment with heads bowed and hearts open, if you'll bow with me. And if you need to say yes to Jesus today, I just want to ask you if you would make this your personal prayer. Say, dear God, I give you my life today. I receive your gift of forgiveness and grace. I put my trust in Jesus and what he's done.
ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me a new creation. Come into my life. Save me. Change me. Thank you for loving me, God. And if you just prayed that prayer and just every head still bowed and eyes still closed, I just want you to lift up your hand this morning. If you prayed that prayer for the first time in your life, Because I just want you to know that we're here to walk that journey with you. That you don't have to figure it out on your own. We want to give you a Bible. We want to walk, walk alongside you. That's what Jesus has called us to do, to make disciples. So we're excited for you. And I'm not going to call you out or ask you to stand up or anything, but I would just ask this, that you would you put your hand up that you would come find me or someone today and just, just share it, man. It's, it's exciting, and we're excited with you. And so I want to ask the, the band to lead us in worship as we close today. Thank you, church.